this article meets the flammability requirements of California Bureau of Household Goods and Services Technical Bulletin 117-2013. Care should be exercised near open flame or with burning cigarette. The upholstery materials in this product contain added flame retardants and chemicals. It's time to hit the trail, lock in those hubs, and throw it into low range. Because you are listening to Wheel It with Keith and Johnny Orange. They're here to talk about 4x4s, trucks, and everything to do with enjoying the great outdoors. Buckle up. Here's your hosts, Keith and Johnny Orange. So, John, you're going to have to jog my memory here uh, in... How many ever episodes? I know we're 80-something episodes in right now. I think we're on 84. Okay. And uh, have we ever taken a request before? I honestly don't recall. I don't think we have. I think we've commented on things before, but I don't think we've actually done a specific request on anything. Yeah, I seem to remember something with maybe Chevy trucks back uh, in the early days or something, but I can't, could have been. I, I can't know. really, I mean, we've been doing this two years now or whatever it is. And it'll be two years in about a month and a half. I oh, will it really? Yeah. Well, we'll have to have a two year celebration podcast or something. I'm on, I'm on board with that. Yeah. Well, we'll be, get all of our guests here and we'll, we'll kind of have a big sit down around a bunch of microphones, go over everything that we've done since day one. Perfect. And then 30 seconds later, we'll be done. Oh, there you go. Uh, well, we had a request come in via our Podbean app, which I think is our, our main uploading one. Yeah, our main hosting. Main hosting. Yep. And through the comment section, somebody uh, under the name of PG Outdoors, and they have a, a picture of a, a rig, looks like they're doing uh, some rock crawling or something like that. Uh, they wanted to know if we could do an episode on Toyota, essentially mini trucks and forerunners, so the, the Toyota small trucks, and said that since we're the history guru, gurus, that we could talk about that. I'm totally game for that. What do you think, man? I like it. I'm also wondering how I missed the uh, the note on that, and my apologies. We'll go from there. So full disclaimer here: we've talked a number of times on the podcast about how I'm big Land Cruiser guy. Uh, I started out my first Toyota that I had though was not a Land Cruiser. I actually did have. Um, Toyota, you know, pickup, small pickup. Um, and we'll get into what that would have actually been called. Most of the world knows them as Hiluxes. Uh, I was just going to say that, but I thought I was wrong. No, so you're, I guess I was you're correct. I had an 83 and that was my first Toyota product that I owned. Um, I'd driven them before, but that was, that was the very first one that I personally owned and I used as my shop truck for some time. And so I did become a little bit familiar with them, but at the same point, I have not had a bunch of them. I've only had two small Toyota pickup trucks. I've helped a couple of friends with some Forerunners and some other small Toyotas. So I went back and did a little bit of history, a little bit of digging, because of course I was interested as well. Um, I, there was a lot of things I knew some of the history on, but uh, one of the things like we like to do a lot of times on the episodes here is we like to go back and... We, need, we want to find out where it all started, where it became, and, you know, what was the very beginning. And story. for me, you know, the Toyota Hilux and the mini trucks and the Forerunners, I knew there had to be a story that went way further back. 
And so I started digging back and digging back and following Wikipedia trails and following other things and, you know, really started to delve into some information about the early days of Toyota, which we've talked about before, Aikido Toyota and, yeah. and you know, the AA car and uh, how they found that one in that, I don't know, it was Russian or Czechoslovakia. It was the, the only one left of the pre-war Toyotas. I don't and remember talking about that one. I, I thought we did, and, you know, that's something maybe we can talk about again in the hmm. future. But basically, I know we've done some Toyota history, and we've done some Land Cruiser history. Yeah. And we've gone back, but this is a little bit different. So when I started kind of digging about it, I, I, you know, one of the things was, is, okay, what's the first Toyota truck? And that actually kind of got a little interesting to me because Toyota, as we know, was producing vehicles in the mid thirties, just before World War II in Japan. But um, they came out in, uh, I didn't even write down the year here. Uh, <laughs> I want to say it was uh, 37. It might have been 35. But they came out with what they called their G1 commercial truck. Hmm. And it was based uh, heavily on the... Um, oh, no. Let me back that up. Let me back that up here. I, I'm looking at my notes. I've kind of scribbled all over here. No, yeah. The G1 commercial truck. The G1 commercial truck. It was based heavily on the GM and Ford trucks of the days. There's no surviving models known to exist of this truck. Bummer. There's old black and white pictures. Uh, somebody did make, and I tried to dig into who actually did it, but somebody made a full replica, hmm. and it might have been Toyota themselves, but they have it in a museum in Japan. Oh, nice. So there's pictures of what they, you know, you can look at what a G1 truck looks like. Cool. But what's interesting, and it just kind of as a side note here, the G1 was the last of the vehicles to wear the Toyota name with a D. Explain. So They, they, they changed the name spelling? They changed the name. So huh. uh, Kichiro, I think it was Kichiro Toyota. Anyways, the, the original family that started Toyota, Toyota was T-O-Y-O-D-A. That is awesome. And like, if you look. Was it a really small truck? What's that? Was it a really small truck? No, the G1 was actually a commercial vehicle. Uh, it was, was like, say, could that be two Yoda? Like a Christmas present from oh. the Star Wars guy? <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, wait, that was in the 30s. Never oh, mind. yeah. Well, it was a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. <laughs> awesome. But uh, so Japan 80 years ago counts. But uh, anyway, so the G1, it was their commercial truck. They didn't build a lot of them. Um, but I did get reading about it when they... They decided to take the G1 to the Tokyo Motor Show. And this is, the, like I said, it's the last one to wear the T-O-Y-O-D-A name. So it was a Toyota G1. And they wanted to take it to the, the Tokyo Motor Show. And they only had a couple prototype models they had built. And they drove them to the Tokyo Motor Show. But, of course, <laughs> this was their own vehicle that they built everything. So they loaded them full of spare parts. Knowing nice. that if they broke anything, nice. they were going to have to replace itself because they can't go to, obviously, whatever yeah. Japan's version of AutoZone in 1937 was. That's awesome. And so they, they drove. And um, they actually had almost no breakdowns or anything like that. Nice. But they took a bunch of them with them. That's impressive. Pretty successful. Yeah. The, um, the engines in them were based pretty heavily on uh, Chevy straight sixes. Uh, there was just a, there was a lot of, and we've talked before, there was a lot of like kind of metric ripoff going yeah. on there but some of it was under various licenses and that that's a whole trail you can get down <laughs> talking about how they did that and the legalities of of what happened so the g1 um was pretty quickly replaced by the ga 
Um, and the GA was their next truck that was also a commercial truck. And that was the first Toyota, that was the first Toyota vehicle, even before the cars, to wear the TA. T-O-Y-O-T-A. Hmm. So the first Toyota, that's actually, that might be a good um, uh, a trivia question for Wheels in the Woods next year. I like it. Would be, you know, what was the first Toyota with a T? And that was the GA series trucks, which was based on the, um, basically the uh, the car chassis kind of thing a little bit. Yeah. They beefed it all up. Nice. And then, you know, what's considered to be their first serious truck that they mass produced was right after World War II. They went, and I know I'm kind of breezing over this because this all kind of gets us up to really our topic matter here, but it, it's important. They get to the Toyota SB series and there had been a bunch of other series through the G's and a bunch of other things. And, and that's the thing about Japanese vehicles. You've seen it before yeah. where it's like, you know, GA, GS, GT, GT1, GT, you know. All so, the letters and the numbers, it just gets weird and confusing. It does, it does. <laughs> so we're not going to go through all of them. Um, so, you know, you don't need to call us out, folks. You don't need to say, oh, well, you know, you didn't talk about the GS-2 or whatever. You know, there was a we bunch of about series. about the GS-1 and the GS-3. We forgot the GS-2. We're yeah. sorry. <laughs> so we're, we're talking about kind of the, the important, we're hitting on the important points of the history that got us up to our topic material here. But um, the, the first serious truck that they built was the Toyota SB, um, from 47 to 1952, and that was right after World War II. And what they did is they had at that point what was called the SA car. And the SA car, um, they took all the running gear out of the SA car, but then they built a heavy-duty frame and put solid axles, two-wheel drive only, Ooh. not four-wheel drive yet. They weren't in the four-wheel drive industry yet. Um, but they took all of their existing parts, repurposed them, put them into a truck chassis, and they did sell... Uh, SB truck bodies, but they also would sell a complete chassis to upfitters that could put their own bodies on them. And so one of the things that there's not a lot of information about out there, but apparently they built a handful on the SB chassis of a four-door open top SUV type truck that they used Ooh. for the police. And it said they weren't very popular, so they only built them for like, you know, maybe a few of them. And then they never continued on. Hmm. But as kind of an interesting side note, besides like your open top Phaeton cars of like the 20s and 30s, it's kind of one of your first versions of the four-door Wrangler, if you think about it. Because hmm. it's a it's kind of a off-roady truck type yeah. of thing, but it was a four-door instead of a two-door, and it was an open top, and but it wasn't very popular, so yeah. it was discontinued. But the SB truck platform was popular with upfitters. You know, delivery companies would put their own bodies on them. They would do whatever they needed to do. Nice. And that was really, the SB was what got Toyota into uh, being a serious competitor in the truck market for the Pacific Rim of, you know, the world. Nice. They weren't importing to North America, South America yet. They did, they did send things down to Australia at the time. But, uh, you know, in a little bit of Eastern Asia, but uh, for the most part, you know, they hadn't come over to the States yet. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so like I said, that was that was up till about 52. And then there was a there was really a whole series of little trucks after that. And that was kind of what they started to get into in the, the 50s. They started getting into the smaller trucks until they got to 
1964, and they built what they called the Toyota Stout. You ever heard of one of those? I have not, but it sounds delicious. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's frothy and it's uh, you know it's got a little bit of a bourbon Japanese flavor to Japanese import, it. I, I imagine. Oh yeah, a Japanese nice. stout. Nice Japanese That's... stout. Uh, you got your computer up over there? I I do, but I don't, don't... have internet enabled at the moment. Oh okay. I know. Um, just a quick side note, actually, while we're slightly changing the subject. Uh, we did notice a couple of errors in the last two episodes, just where it kind of cut some words off. I think I fixed that, so apologies for that from last time, and uh, hopefully that won't happen again here. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, there's gonna be some little things here and there that might still pop up for a bit till I get this all 100. percent But we're working good for now. So. Well, I appreciate everything you've been doing. Oh, Once again, you. this is you're you're getting into that point where you're like, you're doing a lot of. Uh, Former Andrew, the producer's work. Well, you're doing all of it, and I, I really do appreciate it, John. That's all good. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, uh, back to the Stout. The Stout was a little kind of boxy pickup, and if you look at the pictures of them, they were a little bit, in 64, they were a little bit ahead of their time. You know, this was a mini truck. It was an S10 or Ford Ranger size truck. Had uh, What was I, the model again? Stout, I got to look it up on this. S-T-O-U-T. And they were still two-wheel drive only. They were a rear-wheel drive truck, but they were a really heavy-duty little truck. And it, it, it became kind of an immediate success for export markets. Oh, that thing is cool. Cool looking, aren't they? I like that. Yeah, they got a really neat look to them. They, yeah. They really do. And uh, they were essentially, I've talked to people huh. about Stouts before. Even though they were a four-cylinder four-speed, they were only manual transmission. There was no automatics I like it available. Better. I like it better. Um, even though they were... This small truck that was, you know, Ooh. smaller than any of the domestic manufacturers at the time. Uh, a lot of people said that they could easily haul, you know, at least a ton of weight in the back of them. Well, yeah, I just found a nice lifted one with what looks like some 35s or something. Oh, somebody did a 4x4 conversion? Yeah, I Yeah, think. There's, there's a few of them out there that have been done. They're, they're really cool little trucks. Yeah. And they started importing those to North America, and people, uh, you know, they... They became, they were really kind of one of the first mini trucks is what they were. Ooh. What's that? Uh, I, there's apparently a Facebook page for this. I would believe it, yeah. I mean, let me actually find that because it's showing a bunch of them with four-wheel drive conversions, like, lifted. This thing is cool. Yeah, um, there's actually a company, um, and I don't know that I've got that down here, and I'm just going back into my old noggin of... Um, conversions and things like that. But there was a company that would take the Stout and they would put a Jeep Dana 30 under the front of it. Okay. Is what they would do. That, that sounds about what I looked at or saw in the one picture there. Yeah, they had a, uh, I think it was a Dana 20 transfer case that they would use, and it was a divorced version. And then they would have a, uh, um, like I said, a Jeep Dana 30 front axle in them. Yeah, and uh, when we first started the museum, you know, Museum of Offroad Adventure, I had gotten contacted by a gentleman out in Arizona that had what he believed <laughs> to be from whatever company that was that was converting those. Uh, he had what belie he believed to be the second one ever produced. Nice. And he wanted to find a museum for it, but unfortunately he wanted money for it. Okay. And then we had a whole conversation about a long-term loan, and he was on board for that. Yeah. But, you know, we would have had uh, all these uh, transport expenses. Mm. And, you know, at the time, you know, the museum didn't have a couple thousand dollars yeah. to transport this, this cool vehicle, but... 
Uh, I, I I wish I would have you know looked up some notes about that, but yeah, they were they were really neat that they they would do that. That thing is awesome. That that would make for a sweet diesel conversion, and just like build it up. Actually, that with that OM six one seven would probably be pretty sweet. A little bit smaller, nice size package. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying that out loud again. No, oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, well. But anyways, at some point, they they renamed the Stout the Hilux, and I think that was about 68, 69, something like that. And they, you know, they continued to be a two-wheel drive pickup truck, and they would call them the Hilux. And what gets kind of confusing is, uh, depending on what part of the country you're in, or what part of the world you're in, they continued the Stout name all the way up to possibly as late as 2000. Hmm. But then they also continued the Hilux name up to today in other parts of the world. I've seen that. I know there's one particular part in the world that Hilux is very, very <laughs> used. Middle East? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, so, Not that we condone that. but <laughs> Well, I mean, hey, it, it just shows that they're durable little vehicles. Absolutely. But the um, with the... Uh, like I said, they, so that's kind of confusing. And to try to, I actually tried to decipher that, and you'd almost have to do a whole episode on, you know, why they were called different things, different places, where around mm. the world. And so, for the most part, I kind of like talking about the North American market because that's where we are at. That's where the most of our listeners are. And uh, but just know that the name Stout Hilux and even Toyota Pickup can be used for the most part interchangeably all the way nice. until you get to the Tacoma. Nice. That's and, cool. And so uh, it's, you know, and I've had people online before that I've read, uh, n- not that they've gone after me or anything like that, but I've seen where people have gotten all, you know, fussy about it. You know, you'll be on a Toyota forum or a Toyota Facebook page, and you've got a guy in Australia calling his truck a Hilux, and somebody else is like, that's not a Hilux, that's a Tacoma. Or somebody that's got a, you know, and maybe a little bit older of one is like, you know, maybe a, like my old 83. They're calling it a Stout, where in the U.S. they didn't, they had pretty much dropped the Stout name. Yeah. Hilux wasn't used very widely, and it was, for the most part, just called in the United States a Toyota pickup truck. Nice. Because that was the only pickup truck they sold here. Now, I did, as a little side note, which is um, something that's kind of interesting, is, you know, so the, the first generation style, the 67, the little square body one we were mm-hmm. talking about, they ran that up to 72. Now, really, this is of no great value that I would think, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I happen to notice something when, I, I know you're kind of a uh, specifications guy. Yes. Okay. I like details and numbers. <laughs> so... Uh, a couple, the first one that was released um, back in the 60s, they were all short bed trucks. They were like six foot bed trucks. But uh, after a couple of years' production, and there was kind of some discrepancies as to exactly what the year was, they started offering a long bed. Hmm. And you could get the stout short bed in the United States from 67 on, uh, limited production. There wasn't a lot of them. There are, but there are still stouts in the U.S. I, I don't like short beds, but yeah, good. Well, here's the deal. They offered the long bed for the very last year only in the U.S. market. So hmm. if you've got, if you're going around and you see a long bed stout in the United States, uh, then it, it, what the first generation, the square body one with the square front end and everything, yeah, that's going to be a 1972. Uh, unless somebody imported one from another country. And so 
The old, if you ever see a long bed stout square body going down the road, like I said, 72, and that is a pretty rare truck in the United States. Uh, I don't know if it gives it any value, but, uh, you know, all you people out there, especially West Coast listeners, I know there's, the stouts are more common on the West Coast up in Oregon, Washington. You're in a junkyard somewhere and you see a long wheelbase, long bed stout, square body sitting there. Uh, you got something that's pretty rare. And so if you want to have something unique when you're pulling up your local truck show or your car show or whatever, might be something to look to get into. Yeah. So I just, I, you know, one of those oddball, one-year-only things. I love one-year-only things. Oh, thing. yeah. You know, yeah. I, just... I mean, I love them until I got to work on them and find parts for them, then I hate them. Yeah, well, I mean, can you imagine? I don't even know if you can get bedsides for these things, but if you're restoring a rusty one. I would imagine not. <laughs> you know, you might have to get a couple short bed bedsides and weld them together to fix it or whatever. Hey, but you got to do what you got to do. Exactly. <laughs> um, so then they went into the, um, you know, the, the Hilux uh, in 73 was when they started officially calling it the Hilux uh, in most parts of the world, even though they'd already used the name. Um, and then they continued up and they eventually, uh, you know, one, one pickup and four by four of the year or pickup truck of the year from pickup van and four wheel drive in the 70s. And uh, then in 1975, they gave one of your favorite options out there, the five-speed manual transmission. Ooh, yay. So 75, which um, that was actually, once again, Toyota being on the forefront of technology because almost all domestics did not have a five-speed of any sort at hmm. that point, and even a lot of the imports didn't. So they were one of the first to give you that fifth gear overdrive, nice. which in the middle of the fuel crisis of the 70s was, was a, a pretty big deal. Big deal. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, you've got that. So Toyota, um, and as we've talked before in the episodes, the AX-15 is is a Toyota kind of design along with yeah. Asian. Um, and Toyota has embraced having those extra gears since yeah. the beginning. And so that's, uh, you know, something that they started to do. In fact, those transmissions probably, if we ever did an episode where we went through the history of all of them, I would bet the AX-15 has some lineage back to those early Toyota 5-speeds. I wouldn't doubt it for a second. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious so, if there's any parts that transfer. Hey, who knows? Maybe they got like a low-range first gear My or mind something. works a weird way. They, so it's not made by AX-15, but the, the transmission, was it the R151F, I think it was? Well, it's just the Toyota version of the of the but AX-15. It's, yeah. it's the one from that truck does have a lower first gear, yep, or lower range first gear than the AX-15. Uh, that and the counter shaft is a direct bolt-in on the AX-15. Very and versatile. I tried like hell to find one when I had to rebuild that transmission. Not easy to find. Really? Yeah. I, mean, I would have thought can, they'd be easy to find. You can get them new in some places, but you're looking at a couple hundred bucks. Oh, okay. And I mean, it's it's expensive. And for me, it wasn't worth the expense. Yeah. For what I do with this thing, not not yet anyways. In the future, maybe. But I'll, I'll go back to trying to actually track the trans down and just pull it myself from one. But I'm cheap, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so now, um, you know, you're getting into through the seventies in 1979, they start, uh, doing the SR five, um, option, uh, four wheel drive is introduced in 1979 from the factory. Now we're getting into the meat and potatoes. Now we're getting into the meat and potatoes. So 79 is considered to be, if you're a Toyota off-road guy, that's considered to be the first year. You got that solid axle, uh, small truck. Um, the, like I said, you could get a five speed, four speeds were standard. 
Uh, they did not even have an automatic yet at this point. They were all man. They were all manual transmission trucks. Um, that was in '79, you said. '79. Okay. Yeah, and basically, what you were looking at is a downsized version of the Land Cruiser. <laughs> they had taken all the parts that they had they created. You know, their solid axles, their transmissions, their and almost everything was a slightly miniaturized version of what you could find on the Land Cruiser. <laughs> And so it was proven parts. They didn't decide to go out and completely reinvent the, reinvent the wheel here. It was like, all right, let's do this. So they took their like Land Cruiser nine and a half inch ring gear axle, and they made an eight inch version of it. Makes sense. The shafts were still the same size for the most part. Nice. Very strong, but they didn't need to have those big heavy carriers that were like a two ton truck. Didn't need this in this little tiny truck. Makes sense. And so that was, uh, you know, they just basically went into production and, with this little truck. And it was an immediate success hit in the U.S. I mean, it, they sold, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. I don't know what the U.S. total import was on them. Uh, it was a lot. And they then, in 1981, came out with the legendary 22R engine, which was Toyota's four-cylinder. Uh, it, was, it was an updated version of their old 20R and it, it basically, it made, it, its power to weight ratio was fantastic. Very, very durable, very reliable. Hmm. Just couldn't kill these little things. Nice. Um, and that was, um, you know, just a, uh, a great, great little engine. And, uh, and then in 82, you could now get the five-speed in the four-wheel drives. Excellent. Because prior to that, five-speed was a two-wheel drive only option. So if you had a four-by-four, four, you only had the four-speed. This looks pretty got some pretty decent fuel mileage, I would think, then. Um, my old 83 uh, shop truck that I had, uh, I would say probably 26, 27 miles a gallon. I had the four-speed. Nice. You know, uh, I did not have the optional five-speed. So I was five always, would probably be a little better than even. I would think nice. so. Yeah, and I had... Um, now, my truck originally was a 20... I, I'm trying to... I, I might have this backwards, and I, I, I didn't do a lot of work on that truck. But I didn't have the original engine in my truck, and I think, if I remember correctly, my truck originally was a 22-hour truck that somebody had somehow blown the motor, <laughs> and they'd replaced it with an older 20-hour <laughs> motor. It bolted nice. in, but it was, like, a little less horsepower, and it worked, though, you know? Yeah. Um, Sounds like an awesome combo anyway you look at it. So about that same time, and I'm trying to... I, I Have you ever seen the... Um, oh, man, I made a note over here... Uh, do 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 where john man my <laughs> here's the deal when i when i was working on my notes and i hit print i didn't realize i was going to get 40 something pages of Good notes Lord, here. Man. yeah i'm here all night well yeah uh, that's what i'm not that's what i'm not trying to do here <laughs> but basically um what they did in the early 80s Toyota knew that they wanted to get into the SUV market because the Chevy Blazer and the Ford Bronco, um, you know, there was all these uh, Jeep Cherokee. They, they knew that they were going to need to get into there, but they wanted to dip their feet into it. They didn't want to go in wholeheartedly mm. right away. So very strangely, um, they ended up taking, I'm trying to think, I know I can tell you the whole history of it, but for some reason I'm drawing a blank on the name um, and I'm trying to go back in my, my notes, but, you know, I'm, I very well may just not have it right here. <laughs> Anyway, I, I hate when that happens. Yeah. Well, what they did was they decided to enter the SUV market. 
So they partnered with um, another company to convert their trucks to hmm. SUVs. Interesting. So like uh, just modifying like a whole new body kit or something, or actually so basically modifying what's a body there? kit. What okay. they what they would do is they take the Toyota mini truck, the Hilux, as it was commonly called at the time, or yeah. the SR5, and they would take the bed. They made the bed integral with the cab. Okay. They cut out the back of the cab, and there was a fiberglass cap that was essentially bolted on, but it was not meant to come off. It could it could come off, but they and then the new seats were in the bed of the truck. Hmm. Now you would think, and they built like thirteen hundred of these things. Yeah, I think they're called the Traxxas or something like that. But here was the deal. Isn't that a tire brand? Yeah, it is now. But um, it was something similar to that. Hmm. Um, Like I said, and I apologize for not being. uh, In fact, I wasn't even aware of those until I. Found one for sale in Marketplace one yeah. day, and I was like, what the heck am I looking at? And then found out that they were indeed a uh, a real thing. Hmm. So what they had done was they took, um, like I said, they made their trucks into an SUV, but it was done by Winnebago. Winnebago, the RV manufacturer. And huh. they would sell these through dealer, dealer lights. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm not doing... That's different. <laughs> tre- I think it was Trexus. T-R-E-X-I-S. Okay. I think is what it was. Um, oh, they make decking. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and and I, someone's going to correct me on it, but uh, pretty cool little vehicles. And they, they built a couple hundred kits and sent them up to Canada as well. Nice. To, to And basically, this is a feeler. These were factory pre-versions of the Forerunner to see if people were going to like them. Hmm. And they nice. were they were popular. And a vast majority of those original trucks do still exist to this day. Every once in a while, you can find one up for sale, and they do they do demand a pretty good um, uh, premium. Nice. They're four wheel drive. You know, they they were these nice little off road vehicles. So then, in '84, they start production of a couple of different things. There's actually a couple of body changes. They add the it's the fifth generation, but for the '84 model year, they add the extended cab and they now come out for the 85 model year, the Toyota 4Runner, which is your little, or I think they just called them SR5s in the, in the early days, but it was, it was basically the pickup truck shortened and the rear of the cap would come off like an old Blazer or Bronco. Hmm. Nice. Now, those, the 85 is a special place for those things because 85 was the first year for that truck and the last year for the solid axle. Oh, Exactly. Well, so, you got to break my heart like that. I know. So if you see oh. a little Toyota SUV running around with a solid axle in the front, it's 85, and they demand a premium. Rust-free ones are getting way up there. Uh, that I believe for sure. You could also get your favorite thing for the first time, automatic transmission, even though they're rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i got to get a bucket over here. <laughs> oh, there's um, a box. <laughs> most of them still remain manuals. That's good. That's um, good. But um, they did go in 86 to the um, uh, IFS. And that's why the 84 and 85 um, extended cab truck and then your SR5 uh, SUV here, are they really demand a premium because they were a year and then a two-year two and a one-year only deal. And uh, you could also get optional fuel injection in those years. So nice. 
the holy grail in the Toyota circles for the pickup trucks, and that is an 85 fuel-injected solid axle. That sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, I actually cut one up and crushed one years ago. Oh. I didn't realize how... Do you know how many letters we're going to get for that? Well, here's the deal. My and it's, it's a little side story here. My buddy Brian, who lived up in the Upper Peninsula at the time, was um, looking for some Toyota solid axles to put under Suzuki Samurai, which is a somewhat popular swap. And, you know, he, he was downstate visiting, and he's like, hey, you know... He's kind of mentioned it. I said, man, I says, it's funny you say that. I'm like, because, and this is this is years and years ago before I even really appreciated Toyotas at all. And I said, I was just over at a local shop that I know, and there was this old Toyota sitting out back, and I'm pretty sure it's got solid axles underneath it. And he's like, well, let's go over and check it out. So we go over there, and sure enough, there's an 85 extended cab, solid axle, fuel-injected truck sitting there. We go you in, know, like four of our listeners just had a heart attack knowing what you just said prior to the start of the story. <laughs> well, I know. So we go in and, you know, we're talking to the guy and I'm like, dude, I'm like, hey, what's with the truck out there? And he goes, well, he goes, um, it's got frame rust issues behind the cab, which is super common for those Toyota trucks of that era. It wasn't as bad as I've seen them like fold in half, but this one just had like some pretty deep pitting it, isn't it it's so strange there are just certain vehicles that have spots they just disintegrate in yeah it's weird and I, I don't i'll never understand that so he's like <laughs> it's got some frame rust issues it's not through but it's getting real heavy scale there it probably needs to be cleaned up painted up or uh, plated up whatever and he goes, but there's something wrong with the motor. He goes, we've never been able to get the motor to run on it. He goes, I don't know if it's the computer or what. He goes, we're not Toyota guys. Um, it's just been sitting back there. So we go back, we take a look at it. And my memory bank tells me, and I might have pictures of this truck somewhere. My memory bank tells me that this was a very restorable truck. It was not that rusty. Hmm. Frame, like I said, a little bit, but the body was really nice. The interior was so-so. Um, the... I think the radiator was pulled out of it and the grill was missing. But beyond that, it was it was a complete truck sitting there. Huh. It probably had the transmission you wanted to pull your gear out of, you know. It was uh, a, very possible. It was a five-speed manual truck. Yeah. We go back inside and the guy's like, give me 150 bucks, you can take it. Damn. And nice. Exactly. So we go back out and I'm like, hey, you want to do 150? And he's like, my buddy's like, yeah, let's do this. So we literally threw a toe strap on this thing. <laughs> And right there, we had one, and because it was only like 10 miles from my house, and I'm like, get in. Like, nice. We'll just tow you down there, and we'll cut the axles out of this Man. thing. So we went back, and um, went back to the house, and we cut the axles out, uh, threw them in the bed of my other buddy's truck that was with him, who had driven down with him. And then at that point, we got this axleless truck sitting in the backyard. <laughs> and we're like, oh, what are we going to do this? Well, I had that big green F-150, mm. the 79. And uh, we're like, Hey, let's. It was on 35s. Or like, did let's you do play, what I think you did we with it. We played monster truck. Hey, sweet. So, uh, all right, that's forgiven. Yeah, and then now, now the Toyota people hate me too oh, for I know. saying that. So after my '79 Ford is perched up on top of this thing, um, redneck style, and we've smashed it all completely to hell. And I know, and and I, I cringe thinking back. To these, I mean, this was like the Marty McFly truck from Back to the Future, almost. Nice. But, you know, that was basically the truck that he wanted. I was waiting when we were going to get to a Back to the Future reference in this yeah, story. Yeah, it looked like the Marty McFly truck. It might have even had KC lights on it. Awesome. And uh, it was black and everything. So he gets up on this thing, 
or we get up on this thing and my fuel pump goes out. Oh. <laughs> so then my Ford, we had to pull it off with a tow strap. Then my Ford sat for like a week before. Nice. So in my mind, what happened there, thinking back, you know, in, in the karmic uh, world of the automotive world, I think the Toyota gods were so upset at me for crushing <laughs> a restorable. Now, I'm not saying clean, but a restorable, respectable 85 extended cab. Rightly so. Four by four so. uh, fuel injected <laughs> truck. And they were just like, you're an ass, and we're taking the fuel pump out on your Ford. Nice. And I think that's what probably happened. So. That's awesome. So, but uh, we ended up, but you know, in, in the grand scope of things, now keep in mind, this was 20 years ago when these trucks were still pretty much giveaway trucks. Yeah. Even, But even five or six years after that, the prices were starting to skyrocket on them. I believe So it. that'd be like thinking back about crushing a Land Cruiser seven years ago, and you go, oh, my God, you know, because the yeah. Land Cruiser prices have gone through the roof. It, that That's another one of those crazy things. It's like, you know, at a time, like what we're working on right now that is just junk to us in 10, 15, five years maybe, it might be worth out 30 grand or something exactly <laughs> exactly um i mean my jeep will be rusted to nothing by then but whatever <laughs> <laughs> it's all my excursion man yeah. um oh yours leaks enough oil and well that's i mean mine does too but <laughs> it does it does continue to <laughs> just kind of i gotta check oil level on that <laughs> yeah i just put a couple more gallons and in i need to get more oil <laughs> yeah so and then um you know, they continued to produce, uh, you know, that generation of the, the Toyota up through 94. A couple little updates mechanically and stuff, but pretty much the same kind of truck. They had a <laughs> they had a few different things here and there. Um, you know, changed the body style a little bit. But uh, 95 was the end of the Toyota truck slash Hilux slash Stout name, which Stout was already dead in the U.S., but um, they redesigned the Toyota truck, came out with, I think those are considered the fifth generation, but I could be mistaken about that. But they they go to the, um, there's they, they entered with General Motors a joint agreement in Fremont, California to uh, start this, like, it was kind of this idea to improve Japanese and American auto manufacturer relations. Hmm. And so it was a joint facility where they produced GM vehicles and Toyota trucks. Interesting. And so they came out with their new truck, and they called it the Toyota Tacoma, <laughs> or as people call them, tacos and stuff. But uh, and Ooh, that, tacos yeah, and that's where you know the the Tacoma came from. And I don't, I can't really talk very knowledgeably about all the engines and stuff. I know like the 3.0 V6 was a head gasket blower. They did a bunch <laughs> of stuff with them, but. You know, one of the things that I always thought was cool about that facility, and I don't even have that in my notes, I already know about this, is after they moved Tacoma production to Texas, which, you know, so by the way, all your new Tacomas these days, Texas people, these are a Texas truck, you know, believe nice. it or not, your Toyotas. But um, they're only called Toyota uh, Tacomas in North America. The rest of the world, they still call them Hiluxes. They call hmm. them Stouts in certain places. It's, it's really weird how they just kept certain names for certain places. Yeah. That facility got sold to a startup company building electric cars called Tesla. Oh, really? And so Teslas nice. are now made where the first generation Tacomas were made. That is awesome. And so that's that's kind of... It was after GM... So GM pulled out of that agreement. Um, I don't remember the exact year on that. I think it was like 92 or 93. And no, maybe it was after mid-97 or 98. They pulled out. It's been a while since I remember reading about it, but they pulled out of it. 
and Toyota remained in the facility for like two more years, and they're nice. like, yeah, we're just gonna sell this facility, and so they nice. uh, they ended up moving out of California and going to Texas. I've never heard anybody doing that. Um, no, not not that I know of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, the, the California to Texas flight that everybody's always making fun of these days, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, so that's what they did. And Tesla is maybe doing the same thing. I keep hearing he keeps. There's a giga plant they're building in Texas. Yeah. they're, they're That ta- is a massive facility. Good Lord. He's talking about doing Ooh. that. Um, and, you know, I, you could run up all through the generations and stuff now. We know our buddy Bob now has the new Forerunner, um, which oh, I think nice. is a pretty darn cool. Didn't he just looking... post about that not too long ago? Well, yeah, but it was something about his wheel falling off or something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I never did get a chance to give him a call and find out what the heck happened, but I'm pretty sure he was driving the Forerunner, although the dashboard looked like it might have been his work car, which is a... Because um, when he took the photo, it was through the windscreen, and I it might have been the top of his work car, which I think is like a Ford Fusion or something hmm. like that. So um, I well, don't... Well, maybe we'll, uh, in the after show, we can test this uh, phone call thing out. I think we got the bugs worked out some of that. So maybe we'll uh, just randomly call them, not tell them what we're doing, and see what happens. Well, you know, that's something we could have gotten a um, a review for the new Tico- or the new uh, Forerunner from him. We could do that. Because that's what he's got. You know, yeah. the new Forerunner. I know two people now that have the new Forerunner. Um, we've talked before about how the new Tacomas, um, you know, is the only way you can get it with a manual is to get it with the... Um, what is it? The FX? Man, I my brain's I fogged this morning, man. I, I was up till like 5 a.m. But um, I actually went to bed early. I was in bed around three last night. Oh wow, pretty good. Yeah, but uh, I'll tell you that story uh, when we get off the air. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, well, you know, our buddy Jason and I uh, the other day we were down at a local brewery, and uh, one of the new Tacomas pulled in with the off-road package. Nice. Um, you know, it's got the locking differential, and it was a manual, and nice. we were like, oh heck yeah, you know. Uh, rare to see in these parts, uh, probably more, especially in those parts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> West coast, maybe, you know, but around here, uh, not so much, but, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I hope our listener, um, that requested this, uh, you know, we, like we said, it's disclaimer, we're not big Toyota history experts, but we do appreciate them because, oh, yeah. you know, the mini trucks, um, you know, Mr. PG outdoors there, uh, mini trucks, I, they, they're very, very popular, and they're durable. I mean, have you ever seen the Top Gear guys when they decided to see what it took to destroy a Hilux? No. Oh, you've never watched that I haven't, no, but this episode. sounds like one we'll have to. So, so to just... remind me, I'm going to ask you to post that link on 4x4 Talk. I will I'll see try... it from there. Yeah, um, just in a nutshell, they start out with just stuff like, I think, like running it out of oil, and eventually they leave it in the ocean. Pull it out of the ocean, like high tide comes up, yeah. and then they pull it out and they fire it up and drive away. Huh. Um, they at one point they, I think they drop it from a plane. Um, another point they put it on the top of a uh, skyscraper that's being uh, imploded, and it blows up and it falls all the way down. No way it like, survives that. Oh yeah, it started what? up and drive away. <laughs> what? It's in a museum now. It's the it's like the world's toughest truck. They call. It. It's, that is awesome. Oh yeah, and it's a Hilux, and I I want to say it's maybe an '84, uh, '83, right in there. I, I don't remember the exact year of this one, but man, they they just obliterate this thing in so many that ways. That is awesome. They do all this stupid stuff with it to show how tough these trucks are. I love it. I and, love it. And it's oh, I'll, I'll we might have to torture test one of these. I'll I'll find the link and I'll put it on. It's it's probably about a 15 minute video. It is mm. amazing, man. 
It's amazing. This little you red... think it survived a rocket blast? I may or may not know a place we could test. Well, they did blow it up. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, that, I mean, that would count. You know, also, <laughs> that would count. Uh, you know, it's just it. They're they're very tough little trucks. As we mentioned, ISIS uses them. They're a big fan. Um, you know, any of you guys are <laughs> this listening. This is not a shout out to them. <laughs> no, not a shout out. We're not a fan of what you're, you're doing, people. but <laughs> you're terrible people. But we we appreciate your trucks, you know, and uh, we're gonna come for them. We're gonna take them. We're going to rescue them. Yeah, we're going to rescue them. Yeah, that's what it is. When, like when, when you take uh, a, a beaten dog away from somebody, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're rescuing it. You know? Yeah. You know, don't don't be abusing our nice little Toyota pickup trucks. Yeah. Or but, dogs, for that matter. <laughs> but um, I do think that uh, something that we need to um, mention for the museum is that in... If anybody is aware, in if any of them ever made it over to North America, uh, pre-1960 Toyota trucks, which are rare as hen's teeth, and there's probably only a couple known to hen exist. Hen's have teeth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They what? Have, they have a tooth, but they have one at the end of their beak, they call I it. Say, I yeah. guess technically yeah. I could see that one. <laughs> so, uh, especially a G1, which there's no surviving examples known to exist, hmm. might be one somewhere in the world. But someone's uh, got a barn find, they just want a gun, we will pick it up. The museum needs to show it. Because, yeah, that would uh, be cool. You know, um, the I guess I can give you in a brief, uh, uh, I think it's 37 model double um, A car. Uh, it was believed that no double A's existed, pre war double A cars from Toyota, and that they were all gone. A few years back, one was found, I think, like I said, I think it was in the Czechoslovakia or Ukraine, hmm. something like that. It was in a farmer's field. All original. Wow. All Now, Toyota had already built a reproduction to put in their museum. Yeah. And then one, and the only one known to exist in the hmm. world, was found. And they, they do display it to this day as it was found. It's not been restored. That's awesome. They, you know, the whole thing. That's like the mantra of the Mora. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's got like the little farmer repairs and stuff to it. And they're that like, listen. Awesome. They're like, if we restore this, all of any of the evidence of the original history is yeah. going to be gone. So... Um, you'll have to look it up sometime. The original double yeah, it looks sure. like a big Chevy car kind of. That's that's it was kind of a rip off of that. But I mean the this farmer apparently used it all the way up until like the eighties or nineties wow. and stopped running and he just parked it and So I love farmers, man. They they use stuff until it can't be fixed anymore and they'll fix it and fix it and fix it. I mean again, you look at the commando, that's kind of what was done with it. Yep. You know, so many different repairs. I mean, what is there? eight different shades of red paint on that thing for my grandpa <laughs> oh exactly i mean that's but yeah that's just what you did back then and i just i love that mentality and i i appreciate that greatly exactly you know that they did that that's awesome well and that's why at the museum we're able to sell save things like that sometimes we find yeah. them you know i'm still aware of uh one particular rare truck that's in a farmer's field in the middle of the of michigan but you know the negotiations sometimes stall sometimes yeah. go things like that so it's just one of those things but, um, you know, just like pre-war Volkswagens, pre-war uh, Toyotas are just non-existent. So yeah. um, if for some reason out there in the listener world, somebody's like, man, you know, I've n- I didn't realize that they were that rare. And, you know, grandpa on the farm has still got a 38 model SB truck or whatever sitting in there. You need to reach out to us or, yeah. or to any museum because... You know, these are things that if it, once the history's lost, it's gone for it, good. It, it's gone for good. There's you're left with pictures and documentation and no actual. And that's it. Yeah, and that's it. So you know, that's 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 always like, a bummer. It really is. It really is. 
And of course, if somebody out there in the listener world uh, has a Hilux, a Stout, a um, yeah, Tacoma that uh, they're looking to donate, maybe get a little tax write-off for this year. Yeah, I mean, if you want to send us one from the Middle East with one of those 50 cals on it, you know, that would be awesome. We're going to restore it, so unfortunately I'll have to remove and <laughs> properly house the 50 cal to display the truck as it's meant to be. Sure, <laughs> sure. Or one maybe that's all full of bullet holes, you know. And nah, I want the 50 cal. You want the 50 cal, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Definitely, uh, you know, cool, versatile little trucks around the world. I, I would like to have another one someday, um, maybe even a newer Tacoma. Like we talked before, it's it's the only um, 4x4 pickup truck you can still get in North America with a manual transmission besides hmm. the Gladiator, which... Dude, I, I, I wish I had my phone out. I was on a phone call and couldn't open it fast enough on my way here tonight. I saw a the Gladiator Jeep with a cap. Yeah, they look pretty cool, don't they? Dude, that I've, was awesome. I've, I haven't seen one in person, but I've seen a couple pictures online. I was, I was like, ready to make a turn on the road, and this thing just, I mean, it came by quick. I'm like, there's no way I have time to get my camera out for this. Yeah. But that was awesome. That was very cool. They are. And, you know, I kind of on a, on a final note here, um, uh, with, you know, John, as he said before on the show, he's more of an American uh, Jeep uh, truck guy but he has some appreciation for i've had a lot of learned and earned appreciation from just what we're doing here for all these things for what some of these companies and the history yeah and things i like mean that. there's the, the history is fascinating on these things and I, I really truly do have a much better appreciation for foreign vehicles having done this show since then for sure well one of the things i wanted to say you know if we have any big toyota fans or even people who work for toyota that are hi r2d2 yeah, um, I forgot to turn my volume that's all right. down. My apologies. Um, that Fixed if we that. have any big fans uh, that work with Toyota or anything like that, um, we are so appreciative of the fact, like I just mentioned a minute ago, that they are the only ones that in the four-wheel drive world besides Jeep that has not completely abandoned the manual transmission. Nice. You can't get a Chevy truck manual transmission 4x4. You can't get a Dodge. You can't get a Ford. But you can still get a Toyota 4x4 truck with a manual transmission. You got to <laughs> option it right. You got to you got to do all the up option stuff, which I think kind of sucks. I want to get a base model Toyota 4x4 with a manual. But, that would be sweet. But I still um, can. I'm greatly appreciative of that. That you can't even get a manual in a Land Cruiser in the U.S. anymore. But hmm. you can still get it in the Toyota pickup and the Gladiator. Um, in fact, I would love someday if we if this theme continues with the two of them. It would actually be kind of interesting to do a torture test or a off-road capability test of the last two 4x4s with a manual. I fully support this you know, in every way. 4x4 <laughs> trucks. Gladiator versus Tacoma. And, you know, get, I like it. Get them boys out there. You know, we know I we got like the solid it. axle in the Gladiator. Tacoma maybe has a little more power, you know. It just the whole the whole way it works, you know. It'd be a lot of fun to do. I, I think we and maybe some of our listeners can try and help us on this. We should try to get a hold of manufacturers, see if they donate one each for torture testing. Either that, or if we <laughs> if we have a listener, um, you know, maybe we'll start that fight on four x four talk one of these days. I like it. Um, you know, and you know what? With where I'm working now, Gladiator versus Tacoma. I like it, and we can end it with seeing which one may survive a rocket blast better. <laughs> I, I'm liking where this is going. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Do our own torture test. And, you know, the last two men, the battle of the Manuels. <laughs> yep, I like it. Absolutely. <laughs> I like it. Well, John, on that note, um, you know, 
I, I do want to say thank you once again, um, you know, to uh, PG Outdoors for asking us through the Podbean app to yeah, do I'm, this I'm episode. Yeah, I'm really glad you saw the message. I apologize. I don't know how I missed that. I, I've got to go through and see what's up with my messaging because I, I should have seen that coming from Podbean. I don't know why I didn't. Oh, really? I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that you get it. I just happened to be on there and I noticed it. Huh. Uh, and, and we can do that. Folks, if you're interested in, you want a history episode or you want our opinion on something or you want to have us do a, another one of our bench uh, builds in our mind, how would we build something, um, send us a message through yeah. a wheeling at right at the messaging on wheeling, or you can put it on 4x4Talk for everyone to see, or you can put a message on one of the... We're most likely only to see your comments on Podbean or Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening to us on Stitcher or something like that, we might not see your comment. Um, so yeah, please let us get a hold of us somehow. <laughs> yeah, just say, hey, you know, I really want you to do an episode on 1972, you know, Dodge trucks or whatever, you know. <laughs> you know. Speaking of, I got some cool pictures to show you. Uh, the guy's house I went to today for some Jeep parts. Wow, the trucks this guy has. Absolutely incredible. So I'll... I'll show you some pictures of that when we get off the air here. He's oh, sounds good, man. Cool old uh, a '40s Ford truck. Uh, he's got, I think it was a '60-something Dodge in his basement. He's working on. Nice. Very, very cool stuff. Very nice. Yeah. yeah you, oh, I definitely want to see those pictures. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. John, uh, what else you got, buddy? Um, I don't have much, but I mean, we can roll right into the kind of the ending here. You were mentioning uh, reaching out to us on Four by Four Talk. That's just facebook.com slash groups slash 4x4talk, or just type 4x4talk into your search bar. That'll pull up. Uh, you can reach and interact with Keith and myself or any of the other listeners. That's kind of our go-to messaging board. Post your pictures, ask your questions, and we'll get to you there. Um, make sure to check us out on patreon.com slash Radio. We do have a bunch of free episodes up right now. Everything from our first year is presently free to listen to as well as one of our more recent episodes. So check that out. If you like it, hit subscribe on that and get access as low as $2 a month. Uh, I know, uh, I don't know if you want to mention something on the museum real quick again. Well, the, muse- check that the out. Museum of Offroad Adventure is located in Clay Township, Michigan. Whelan is a, um, originally was created through the museum. However, it is its own separate entity. So uh, no affiliation there, um, but we are constantly plugging them because john and i are both personally affiliated with the museum um so they're not responsible for any of the mistakes in our podcast just no, so you know no, that, that's all us. you know that folks <laughs> but uh they have a facebook twitter and instagram accounts all under museum of off-road adventure most active on facebook uh, currently the museum is open to the public uh we do not have regular hours due to the covid19 shutdowns in the state of michigan uh, but you can make an appointment to come to the museum and check out the collections where we can usually uh, accommodate you just about any time. And if we can't, we'll figure out something with you. But uh, it is free to go through the museum. It's a really neat history thing to see. Uh, currently, Andrew, the producer, who is still involved in the museum, is working on getting uh, the website completely redesigned, a little more interactive stuff for the museum. And the museum's nice. always looking for volunteers, and we're looking for donations. Um, and know, vehicles for display. And, well, donations yeah. of vehicles, too. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, get out the checkbook, get out the vehicle. It's, it's great <laughs> history. And uh, the museum also has a 
um, Facebook group that's a little less active than 4x4 Talk, but it is slowly building called 4x4 Museum. So uh, if you're interested in vintage 4x4 history stuff, you definitely want to get into the uh, 4x4 Museum group. And you just go on there, a couple questions, click like John says, and you're in. So with that, I'll end it with, uh, if you like the show, hope you liked it. Make sure you hit like and subscribe on that. Comment. And yeah, comment away. Ask us questions. Go from there. And I will, with that, say thanks for listening and have a good one, everybody. Bye.